Jesus, this is your teaching that has been pressed so freshly into my heart. I offer it to you today, not out of a place of strength or maturity, but out of a place of weakness and brokenness. And I ask you to pull it out of me, to minister it to this body of believers here today. And Jesus, I pray that it will not only be beautiful, but it will be powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to open today just by reading a real brief little part of a letter that my brother wrote to his 14-year-old daughter. He says, You have been given the gift of beauty. You are going to be a beautiful woman, and beauty is a fragile thing. It is, an, it is elusive and can easily be turned into something less or worse. Your Aunt Sherry says that flowers are proof of God's love for beauty. They are somewhat frivolous plants whose blooms do not last long, but in their moment, God passes through their petals, and you see beyond their flowering all the way into God's glory and splendor. In a few days, they begin to die, but in their moment, they provide a peak beyond the veil into the whispers of glory. It is for this reason that Satan so attacks beauty he will attack it by trying to make the wearer overly aware of it, by making you believe that, there is, that the beauty is there for your own glory. Or he will attack your beauty by making you unaware of it, by making you unaware of what has been given you. Many a beautiful woman looks in the mirror and sees only her flaws, or perhaps she sees her beauty, but she, is, but she doesn't believe that she is beautiful enough. And of course, she is not beautiful enough. Because her beauty was never meant to make her powerful. It was only meant to be given back to God. Many a young woman wants her beauty to be a weapon she can use to enforce her own will. If you use your beauty only for yourself, you will find that you will either abuse others or be abused yourself by the ones trying to pick you like a flower and wear you for their very own ends. Your beauty is for God and will only be what he intended it to be as you daily give all of yourself to him. Beauty is a really big deal. It's such a big deal that puzzles me maybe why we don't talk about it a little bit more. Why are girls so drawn to beauty? There's a lot of things we could probably say in answer to that question. But I believe that the true root of the answer is because it's written inside of her DNA. Um, Genesis 1.27 is the first glimpse that we get of maybe the answer to why women are so drawn to beauty. And, and I think it's found in creation. God said that in the beginning that he created man. He said, let us make man in our image referring to the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. Let us, um, let us make man to reflect us. And then he says, male and female, he created them. And this is just my little theory, and I don't have a lot of like theological initials after my name that tells me that I'm smart and I should know things like this, so please accept this in all humility. <laughs> this is Sherry's opinion. 
But I wonder if God is just so vast and so big that one gender can't bear his fullness. And he put it a little in the man and a little in the woman. Or maybe it's a lot in the man and a lot in the woman. And then when we think of man, we think of strength. And when we think of women, we think of beauty. And God is both. And I think that if that's true, that the image of God is hidden inside of a woman's heart, that he hid part of his mystery and part of what makes him so alluring, he hid that inside of a woman's heart, then it removes all wonder to why the enemy comes so hard against that image, to confuse it, to distort it, to hide it, to shame us back, to hide our beauty so that we don't reflect God. Because what if our reflection of God was powerful? What if it had power in it to bring healing? And the more I've prayed about this, the more I really do believe that it is powerful. The reason that we struggle so much with it is that the enemy wants to destroy this picture of God. And for me, I'll say very briefly my own story. Um, I wasn't paying a lot of attention when I was 12 and 13 and 14 years old. I've shared with you a few weeks ago my story of sexual immorality and abuse. And during that time when I was sort of just bleeding from those wounds, I wasn't real paying careful attention to some of the other wounds that the enemy was, was um, creating in my heart. And I kind of picture it like the Garden of Eden. And it was beautiful and wonderful, but the enemy was sneaking in. And he was sneaking into my mind in a time when I was really vulnerable. And he planted a weed he planted a weed, and I didn't pay much attention to it. Any of you who are gardeners know what happens when you don't pay much attention to the weeds. Um, we have a beautiful flower bed right outside of our front door, and there's poison ivy growing in it. And it keeps popping up everywhere because the weed system, the root system is so, so deep. And it was like that kind of a weed that the enemy planted in my heart. And the weed was that my value as a young woman came only from others thinking me to be beautiful, namely this culture thinking me to be beautiful. And if I weren't beautiful in the eyes of this culture, then I also didn't have value. And it was a little seed that he planted, but I didn't pay a lot of attention to it, and it grew to be a weed. I began to minister the word of God to this weed. I began to hack away at it and try to attack it when I was a little older, 17 and 18 years old. And I had scriptures, 1 Samuel 16, 7, that I loved. And I would read this verse. And it's, um, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I was like, freedom! Because God's the only one that matters and he's not paying attention to the outside, then woohoo, he's paying attention to my heart. And I was so excited about that scripture because I was like, I don't, I'm not going to be on the cover of Vogue magazine. I'm not going to be hailed as this beautiful something that this world would hold up. But God could think I was beautiful if he was looking at my heart. Um, Psalms 139, 13 through 14, I said this verse over and over and over again as I was going to sleep at night because the enemy would haunt me and torment me as I was going to sleep at night and as I'd wake up in the morning. And I would tell, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I said it over and over trying to make myself believe it. I ministered 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 to myself. Still one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, women. This is our verse. So if you don't know it yet, listen hard. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen because what is seen is temporary. Amen? 
Amen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we don't fix our eyes on what is seen. Oh, the hours that we spend in the mirror. And Jesus the whole time is going, I might not want to fix your eyes on that because it's going away. (laughs) With or without your permission. So you might as well fix your eyes on the unseen. And I would hang on to these scriptures. Through the years, I would battle with these scriptures. And, and I was getting strength. I really was. I was getting stronger. I was believing it more. But still, there was just this root that was there. And just in the last year, the Lord has really dug the root out. And so that's why I say I come to you today not in strength. I'm not very mature in the teaching that I'm about to give you. I, I'm like three months old in, inside of it. So I come in humility to you today. About uh, last summer... I sat down on my computer and I wanted to do, um, I wanted to find a special present for my mom. My mom is Doris Howard. A lot of you guys don't know that. Um, and she was moving here and I was, I, I wanted to give her something special. And, and I, I thought, well, my mom reminds me of a wildflower because she just blooms wherever she's blown. She just blooms no, and wildflowers are like that. So I was like, Oh, I want to give her a wildflower. So I sat down at my computer and I Google searched wildflowers of North Carolina. And I didn't think that would be that big of a deal, you know, wildflowers in North Carolina. And up, up popped like 80 pages. And I remember going, what? I needed to do this real quick. So I started clicking through because, of course, I had to find the right flower, you know. And I was just looking after one flower, after the other, after the other, after the other, and flicking to another page and to another page and to another page. And 30 minutes later, I was completely overwhelmed completely overwhelmed. And do you remember when you were a kid, I don't know if you ever did this, where you tried to picture eternity? Where you laid in bed when it was, you couldn't go to sleep yet and you tried to picture forever? Heaven never having an end. And then you had the point where your, where your brain hurt because you couldn't picture it. I had that kind of a moment when I was doing wildflowers in North Carolina. And I did, I was like, Jesus, what in the world? I only Googled wildflowers of North Carolina. I mean, I haven't even gotten to the continent of Africa yet. You amaze me. You overwhelm me. What did you do all that for? Like all that, all that color. And then the Lord spoke to me in my heart, just a whisper, the way he spoke to my heart. Yes, yes. My flowers are as vast as my women. Just a tiny whisper. But I pondered that whisper in my heart. Then it wasn't too much uh, longer after that that... um, Shane and I had a little debate, and he, he, I have to say this with all graciousness, (laughs) he's already bracing. (laughs) Let me clarify. He loves flowers. He plants flowers. He works in the flower garden all the time. He loves flowers. Did we all understand that? Shannon loves flowers. Okay. Here's the debate. He doesn't like to give flowers as gifts. The reason you women got flowers as gifts today is because of me. And because our van broke down and he couldn't go get a gift certificate. But <laughs> but we had this debate going. And so one day last summer, soon after I had my little wildflower search, um, I, I was, somebody had a need. I don't remember what it was. But I said, I want to send them flowers. And he said, why do you always want to send them flowers? Why, do you, why, don't, 
Why don't we send him a gift certificate or something that'll last longer? Because flowers just die. Why do you want to send him flowers? <laughs> and I was like, I like flowers. I love them. They're so pretty and they smell good and they're colorful. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And uh, so we just had this little funny moment and I left to take my little walk. Well, we live obviously in Asheville and it is always in bloom. And I was walking on my walk and I looked over and it seemed like there were some more, more flowers that day than I had ever noticed before. There were bushes that were flowering, flower gardens that were opening up. And I was walking along, and I was starting to walk a little taller and, and, and smell a little deeper. And I was like, I'm not the only one who likes flowers. God apparently likes flowers. Because he, he puts flowers on, it, on so many things. It's not everything, but he puts flowers on so many things. So many bushes before the leaves come out, the flowers come. And as I was walking along, the lesson continued. It was like God was kind of le- giving me a little lesson on his heart. And, and he's like, yeah, you see, the flowers announce that life is coming. The flowers announce life is coming. And then I was walking on, and I found myself kind of in a hurry, wanting to finish my walk, but I couldn't hurry because I kept seeing another flower, and I'd stop. It stopped me. The flower stopped me. And I, and, I, and I stopped and I looked at it. And then you know what I wanted to do next? I wanted to walk over and smell it. I had to get closer. And the Lord began to continue the lesson. And isn't that what women are? Isn't that what I created them to be? The beauty that makes you stop and rest. Beauty announces rest. And they smell so good. But really... When you really get the true fragrance of a flower, it's not till you squeeze it and press it. And I made my women, when they fix their eyes on me and they understand the beauty that I've hidden in their heart, when you squeeze on their lives, they release this fragrance. That is beautiful. And that's a picture of me. I want you to reflect me. There's a song we sing in church that reminds me a lot of flowers. Beautiful are the words spoken to me. Beautiful is the one who is speaking. Doesn't this sound like a flower? Come in close. Come in close and speak. Come in close. Come closer to me. And flowers say that message. Women say that message because God is saying that message. Come in close. Don't be afraid. I smell good. Come close. Come closer to me. The thing that is so tragic and sad is when a woman becomes afraid to bloom. For whatever reason, be it a scar, a memory. But when a woman bows her head and closes her heart and pulls away, it is a tragedy. And yet we have come to accept it as common. But we're being denied a picture of the heart of God. And the reason that the woman bows her head and closes off is because she's afraid. Because it takes a lot of courage to open wide and to release all the beauty and all the fragrance that God has hidden in our heart. And I I really believe women and men that he has put a tremendous amount of glory inside a feminine heart. And we need not be afraid of it. We need to research it and pull it out because not only are we denying ourselves a great treasure, but I believe we're denying 
God's kingdom a great treasure by being so afraid to release what it was that God hid inside our heart. Um, the first time that I ever shared this analogy, um, well, actually, i got to tell you one more thing, and then I'll share with my, my little story. Um, after I completed my walk where God was teaching me about flowers and women and all the beauty, I came into my driveway, ended my walk, and I came into my driveway, and there was this beautiful new flower that had just bloomed, and I had never noticed it before, and it did it to me again. I couldn't get in the house. I just had to kneel in front of this flower and to examine it. Its shape was so unique. I had not seen a flower shaped like this before, and this is when the Lord healed me. It was in this moment when I looked at this flower. And I was remembering all the wildflowers. And he said, my flowers are as vast as my women. That was in my mind. And I looked at this flower. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Because I was saying, oh God, this one's really pretty. Look at the colors. Look at the shape. You're amazing. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, yes, it is beautiful. And how dare you pick just one? How dare you pick one flower and lift it above all the other flowers and call all the other flowers to bow down to this flower because I celebrate all of my women. I knit them together and I rejoice over them. The first time I shared that example was at a women's retreat about a year ago. And as I was sharing it, my heart was broken because I saw elderly women in their seventies crying. I was like, The enemy takes this stick and he beats us with it into our older ages, and it shouldn't be. And so I became determined to try and grow up inside this message, to try and release it to God's women. And uh, Mary said that I should write it into a children's story because she wanted to read it to her daughters. And so I did. And boys and girls, this is story time. And it's story time for all of you. And um, I just wrote this a couple weeks ago so I could read it to my daughters. It was Annie's 11th birthday. And I so want my daughters to know this a long time before their mommy did. So this is called Jacob's Garden. Every day in the early morning of springtime, Jacob would slip into his coveralls grab his old crate filled with gardening tools and head outdoors into his beloved garden. Each step was one of sheer joy as he could hardly wait to see which of his precious blooms would arrive this morning. Arriving at his flower garden, he swung open the small wooden gate and it responded to his touch with a warm and familiar creaking. Stepping inside, the sun seemed to respond as if on cue, breaking forth into a glistening radiance upon all his lovely flowers. It was enough to cause dear Jacob to take in a deep breath inside a wide, warm smile. Could he pull this beauty into his heart? The deep breath led one to believe that he was trying to. Slipping carefully down to one knee, Jacob gently stroked the leaves of one of his flowers. Good morning, Pixie, he said, as he had names for all of his flowers. You look lovely this morning. My, how brilliant your colors are becoming. And if you didn't know any better... You would swear that Pixie spread out her blooms a little taller and shone just a little brighter. Jacob must have thought so because he chuckled a little at his sweet flower. Placing his hands into the dirt, he carefully examined it for moisture. 
Rubbing the dirt in his palm, he concentrated, then rubbed his brow. Yes, I think this soil is just right, he said, adjusting his glasses and leaving a little smear of dirt on his nose. He went on, step by step throughout the garden, greeting his flowers with adoration and careful attention. Good morning, Iris, Rose, and Daffodil. You look fine and healthy today. He hovered long over Bleeding Heart to make sure her stem was not too weighted down. Petunia seemed to reach out and grab his arm as he passed by, and old Jacob reached gently back and stroked her lovely petals. Sunflower was already beginning her dance with the sun, and Jacob watched for a while in awe of her strength. Then dear little Sweet Pea was showing evidence of her first blooms, and Jacob was so glad that he could applaud her as she began to open up, displaying all her glory. He spent several hours in the garden that morning and for many mornings before and after. Everyone in his small town knew where to find Jacob when he didn't answer the front door. They knew they'd find him in his garden, bent over on his knees with his hands in the dirt, smiling from ear to ear. His reputation was nearly legendary and spoke of often in the local town shops and diners. When new folk would come to town for a visit, you would often hear people say, Oh, well, have you been to old Jacob's garden? You'll never see anything as beautiful as Jacob's garden. So they would come, a few at a time, to stand behind his garden fence, resting their fingers on the edge. They would peer into and through the rows and rows of color and beauty. They would breathe deep and sort of drink in the alluring fragrance. He's got a touch, they would say. Quite a touch, they would say, as they snapped their pictures and walked away, smiling. One day, one of those tourists happened by the local flower shop. She was in search of a certain rose that she saw in Jacob's garden and wanted for her very own. She was standing over a large pot filled with a variety of flowers when Leroy, the flower shop owner, came to greet her. Can I help you? Yes, I, I hope so, she said. I'm looking for roses that look like this. She held up her picture of Jacob's garden, and Leroy let out a small but audible groan. It seemed his shop would always be in the shadow of Jacob's garden. This customer wasn't the first to make a request like this, nor would she be the last, and Leroy knew it. Only thing was, Leroy had no control over what flowers from Jacob's garden he could have available. Old Jacob was very stubborn and highly selective over which flowers were ready for display in the shop. This left Leroy with whatever Jacob would give him, and it was different every week. Leroy knew it didn't make good business sense at all. They would both stand to make a lot more money if they could do the whole supply and demand thing. Then maybe I could actually advertise a little, pull in some more money. That would be best for us both, Leroy reasoned, silently as he pointed to a large refrigerator filled with a variety of flowers, and yes, even a few roses from Jacob's garden. When the customer saw the rose she was looking for, she let out a little squeal of delight, and Leroy made his mind up. As he bagged up the customer's flowers, he gave a determined smile. He would talk to Jacob. Early the next morning, as Jacob was making his way to the garden, he found Leroy waiting for him outside the gate. Good morning, Jacob, Leroy blurted out, and the sound of his voice was loud and unpleasant in the early morning. I, I wondered if I might have a few minutes of your time. I... I don't have any flowers for you this morning, Leroy. None of them are ready to leave the soil yet, Jacob replied, hoping he could move on to his garden. 
Well, well, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning, Jacob, Leroy rushed on. I think it would be best in our best interest to get a little more consistency in the flowers that are available in my shop. Jacob paused. His step slowed, and he turned to step between Leroy and the garden. Jacob looked long and hard at Leroy's eyes, studying them like he studied the dirt. Looking deep inside, he could see that ambition had gotten the better of him. Leroy rattled on about this deal and that promise, and Jacob was barely listening, but what he had heard did not interest him. No, thank you, Leroy, Jacob replied and started to turn toward the gate, but Leroy wasn't going to take no for an answer. His ambition had blinded him. But Jacob, listen to me. According to the records in my shop, there is one flower considered more beautiful than all the others. One flower that seems to tower above all the others. Don't you want to know that so that you can plant more of that flower and less of the others? The weight of those careless words nearly knocked Jacob to the ground. His knees buckled beneath him and he dropped the crate of garden tools. Leroy didn't seem to notice and just rattled on. Jacob, the flower that you need to plant more of is... There was just a small pause. A pause that Jacob wanted to climb inside of and cause time to stand still. He moved toward Leroy as quickly as an old man could, reaching his hand up to cover Leroy's mouth, but he was too late. Roses, Jacob, it's your roses. Get rid of some of the other flowers and plant more roses. Just then... Inside the garden, there seemed to be a gasp from all the flowers. Could you hear it? No, but perhaps you could feel it. A pale shadow seemed to creep or maybe slither among all the flowers. Leroy's words echoed and bounced off of every lovely petal till they seemed to shudder and close and bow. The flowers looked stiff and dull, like somehow they were made suddenly aware that they were all very different and that None of them looked at all like a rose, except for Rose, who now felt terrible and all alone. Jacob slowly looked up and took a slow, long breath. When he opened his mouth, the words came out like swords and his voice rumbled with their power. Never, never, Leroy, I will never. How dare you pick just one? How dare you assume that all my flowers are planted for the same purpose? How dare you view their beauty as a way for you to profit? How dare you miss their glory and splendor and joy? How dare you pick just one? Oh, Leroy was speechless. He had no memory of Jacob ever being angry. Nonetheless, he believed him. Leroy turned with a huff, accepting his defeat to a crazy old man without a lick of business sense. You'll regret this, Leroy muttered. Jacob looked exhausted and worried. He reached his big hand out to open the gate, and the familiar creak announced his entrance to all his beloved flowers. When he stepped inside, he could feel and see that something was wrong. There was a foul smell in the air as if the stench from Leroy's terrible words was still filling the garden. Jacob bowed his head and the sorrow he felt made his heart feel heavy. He needed to get on his knees and get his hands in the dirt. He carefully slipped down to his knees and reached out to greet little Pixie and stroke her brilliant orange petals. But Jacob couldn't have prepared himself for what he saw. 
Dear Pixie had pulled her petals in, trying to be lean and tall. Pixie? Pixie? She looked as if she were ashamed of her shape. How could this be? Jacob wondered. Making his way back to his feet, he went on, step by step throughout the garden, examining each flower with careful attention. Iris seemed ashamed of her height, and Daffodil refused to open her petals fully. Rose seemed all alone. Was she proud or just isolated? Bleeding heart's blooms hung low and mournfully to the ground. Sunflower refused to look up to find the sun, and Sweet Pea pulled tight the new buds that were ready to bloom. And Jacob could not bear his sorrow. With agony, he loud out a heart-wrenching cry, No! And the birds stopped singing. And the sun went behind the clouds, and people in the town will tell you that there hasn't been a morning before or since like that morning. Jacob's cry could be heard clear into the town and sent a chill into the hearts of all who recognized his voice. Folks put down their newspapers and coffee and threw on bathrobes and slippers. They came running from all over town to investigate the trouble at Jacob's garden. And when they arrived, they found old Jacob on his knees and his sorrow fell to the ground with the tears on his face. Everyone sobered and quietly stood in a reverent sort of way with their fingers resting on the fence. It was quiet for a long time and no one dared to move. The only sounds that could be heard were the mournful sobs of an old man with a broken heart. After a long while, Jacob spoke. He spoke with his head in his hands, and his words were quiet and barely audible. I miss you. I miss you so much. I miss your beauty. You bring me so much joy. Then he looked up at all of them and sniffed. He grabbed his hanky and blew his nose and wiped his eyes. He rested his hands on his thighs and braced himself for more words. Don't hide from me. I love you, each of you. Your lovely colors and the shape of your petals bring joy to my heart. Then he stood and carefully walked toward the gate. He wanted to start at the beginning and to address them each by name. Dear Pixie, do you know what I like best about you? I love your wide blooms and your brilliant orange color. You're so unique. There are days that you take my breath away. Iris, you are tall and towering. You are long and graceful, and your beauty is in your height and your glory in your lovely bloom. Rose, your fragrance is rich and full of memories for me. Your bloom is full, and when you open it fully, it feels as if the world is smiling. Dear Daffodil, you are bright and hopeful. You always seem like you have a story to tell. Quiet and alluring are you. And when I draw close to you, I am always blessed by your treasure. And now his heart grew stronger and his passion seemed to fill the garden. Bleeding heart, I love the reach of your stem and the blooms that you bravely bear. You give so much of yourself and your strength brings me strength. And sunflower, your dance reminds me every day to look and reach toward the light. How I admire you. And sweet pea, you are young and brave. Don't be afraid to bloom. Only in blooming will you discover the glory hidden inside you. Jacob's words finally ended, and when they did, he realized that he had hardly taken a breath. The words rushed out of his heart like a waterfall pours down a mountainside. He spoke them because he had to. And now he waited for a response. 
but all was still. Still, only for a moment. And then a small bird began to sing the sweetest song. And as it sang, another joined, and then another, until a chorus filled the garden, and the sun followed as if on cue, breaking forth into a glistening radiance onto all the lovely flowers. And the town folk all gasped at the brightness of the sun and the radiance of the garden, and they started applauding, clapping and clapping and shouting their joy and approval of the beautiful garden. And Jacob was deeply stirred by their joy, and he made his way to his feet, and he joined his applause with theirs. And the more the birds sang, the sun shone, and the people praised, the more the chill of fear seemed to disappear from the air. One by one, the little flowers began to respond. Little Pixie went first, opening up just a little. Jacob ran to her and stroked her little petals. She was warmed by his touch, and she trusted his faithful fingers. She let go and opened fully, and the crowd cheered louder. Then Iris lifted her lovely head once again and swayed in the breeze. Rose opened wide and released her fragrance. Daffodil burst forth a blossom that caused everyone to gasp in awe and applause. Sunflower raised her head and found the sun and shone in a bright yellow glory. Bleeding heart found her strength and reached out her long stem of beauty. And finally, little sweet pea joined the other brave flowers and revealed her unique blooms to the admiring crowd. This was a morning that no one would ever forget. As the crowd returned to their homes, Jacob had his garden all to himself the way he liked it. He grabbed his crate of garden tools and returned to the gate. Getting down on his knees, he placed his hands in the dirt to examine it for moisture. Rubbing the dirt in his palm, he concentrated, then rubbed his brow. Yes, I think this soil is just right, he said, adjusting his glasses and leaving a little smear of dirt on his nose. The end. I really pray that you will receive that gift from the Lord because I believe it's for you. I had no idea when I started writing Jacob's Garden that the story was going to be about Jacob. I thought the story was going to be about the flowers. But the Lord showed me his heart. It's not about the flowers. It's about the love of our God who rejoices over us with singing and the agony he feels when we're afraid to bear the glory that he pressed in our hearts. I pray that the Lord will minister that to you. And just like a seed today, it's just planted, but I pray it will begin to take root and grow and change us and make us brave for all the seasons of our life.